Hey everyone, how are you doing? Before we get onto this two hours of binging, which you guys have been requesting for a long time now, I just want to say thank you so much for being part of the journey. Covering these comics and making comics come to life has been seriously a highlight for me on the channel. It's kind of like where the channel started, and along with fan fictions, of course, as well. So I'm really excited to get into the new Vader comics coming in 2020 and uh, get back to the roots of the channel, man. It's going to be great. Um... That being said, big shout out to Lucasfilm, Charles Soule, the writer of this series, which is one of my favorite Vader series. They nailed it. And uh, of course, Marvel and Disney. So thanks, guys, for being part of this. I hope you enjoy the next two hours. I've done it in chronological order. And as well as when we're starting every new chapter, which you may or may not notice, uh, I've also put a cover for about five or six seconds of each issue, uh, just so you know what's going on and you know what, what issue it is we're covering. Uh, until we get to the next one. So without further ado, uh, enjoy this. Hit a thumbs up. One year worth of work. Uh, I'm very, very excited to to put this all in one shot. I've been wanting to do it for a while. So may the force be with you. Enjoy it. I love you. See ya. No. You told me you could save her. In your rage, you chose a different path. As Vader continues to accept the realization that Padme is now dead, Palpatine tells him that she's gone and that the dark side can't bring her back. However, in her death, she gave him a gift. As our attention drapes over the scene, we come to Vader's left hand as he shapes his fingers into a pincer like he always does when he's about to force choke someone. However, it has no effect on his master as he is far too strong in the force. Now you must choose. Will you accept that gift? Will you use it? Or will you die? As Vader bows lower before his master, submitting to him and accepting his fate obediently, Palpatine suddenly fires force lightning at him, unleashing the full power of the dark side upon his apprentice. Now, he does this for two reasons. The first being to show him how vulnerable his suit is towards lightning, to make sure that he won't try anything funny again. And two, is because he wants Vader to fight back. He wants to see what he's really made of after this whole transformation. Also, the fact that Sidious does this literally as Vader gets off the table after Mustafar's events is absolutely ridiculous. We now get a glimpse of just how evil and torturous he was towards Darth Maul. As Sidious asks his apprentice to use the power of his lightsaber to defend himself, Vader says, Lost in the fight with one As Palpatine yells in defiance of his failure, he calms down, telling Vader that the blade belonged to another, a Jedi, meaning his former self, Anakin Skywalker. As he draws his lightsaber from his sleeve, he tells Vader that he is now a Sith. Recognizing the traumatic day that he's had, which is an understatement, he threatens to finish what Obi-Wan couldn't if he ever touched him with the Force again. As Vader rises from the smoke of his armor, Palpatine senses his quest for Jedi blood, telling him to sheathe it for now, as the Galactic Empire has much larger matters that require his full attention, leading him to the streets of Coruscant. Never again will we fear the Jedi. Through the grace of our Emperor Palpatine, we were saved from that treachery. Never again will we fear the Jedi. 
Through the grace of our Emperor Palpatine, we were saved from their treachery. The Jedi are gone. The Emperor saw through their Separatist plots, their lies. He survived their attempt to assassinate him. And now, at last, we are safe. As we see the clones throw barrel after barrel of Jedi lightsabers into a massive furnace, it's pretty obvious what they're about to do with them. Presumably, these sabers are collected from the dead bodies in the Jedi Temple after Anakin massacred them. Now, I want you all to look closely with me as Masamita maniacally looks to the last saber holding it to the sky to be burned and with it the perceived memory of the Jedi altogether. That is until Luke shows up. We have entered a new age. An age of freedom! We can actually see that he's holding the lightsaber of none other than Jedi Grandmaster, Yoda. As he throws it into the furnace, Palpatine sighs with relief. Remember, none of them understand it. None but you and I. Do you know why our blades are red, Lord of Vader? No, Master. The Jedi teachings on this subject were incomplete. <laughs> the fools hid the knowledge they found uncomfortable. They could not face the darker truths, and they paid the price. A red saber is no different than any other, except it has been made to bleed. The crystal from any Jedi's saber will do. As you know, the Kybers are alive. In their way, like any living thing, they can feel pain. Through the dark side, you must pour your pain into the crystal. And when, at last, the agony becomes more than it can stand, a beautiful crimson, the color of your rage. Do you understand, Lord Vader? Yes, you could have given me any one of those lightsabers to corrupt, even Yoda's. But you did not. The saber of a Sith is not given. It is taken. As the story now switches scene to the mid-rim, we see Palpatine and Vader being flown to a distant planet. Here is where Vader must track down a Jedi to obtain his Sith lightsaber. Your armor, Lord Vader. How do you find it? It is acceptable. Why have we come here, my master? I need your help, Lord Vader. I have very high hopes for what we might achieve together. But first, you will need your lightsaber. You must seek out a Jedi from whom to take a kyber crystal. A daunting task indeed. However, I have great faith in your resourcefulness and capability. Go now, my apprentice. Hmm. I had a vessel brought here for you to use. It appears to have been 
Stolen. Ah, this lawless galaxy. Truly, it cries out for our guidance. Embrace the dark side. Bend it to your will, and it will provide everything you need. Your power will become endless, Lord Vader, and then we shall rule as one. We are greeted with the clones that retreated back to the Emperor to do his various tasks for them. One of such tasks were to collect all artifacts, holocrons, and lightsabers from the Jedi outposts throughout the galaxy. As the comic begins in the mid-rim Jedi outpost, a clone is seen waving around a Jedi's lightsaber. I am a Jedi. If you really were a Jedi, you'd be dead. Come on, Kicker, I had to do something to liven up this assignment. We've survived what? A hundred missions? I honestly think this is the one that will kill me. As they continue to manage the holocrons, lightsabers, and artifacts from their inventory list, they exclaim their distaste for the waste of their potential and training. As the clone continues to converse the rumors they've overheard, one mentions that they've beaten the Separatists, while the other clone tells him it won't be them who fights the new threats to come. What? What you mean? I heard they shut down the facilities on Kamino. They'll train up the last batch of clones and that's it. That's crazy! Who will protect the Empire? As the clone continues to explain how he believes their fighting days are over, the group leader speaks up. We've got incoming. As Vader's ship enters the airspace, he is contacted by the clones, telling him not to come any closer or else they'll be forced to engage in war. Now, we should remember that at this point, the clones have absolutely no clue who Vader is. The galaxy thinks Anakin is dead and the Sith don't exist, along with the exterminated Jedi. I have docking codes for this station, Lord Vader. I can transmit them on your order, Lord Vader. As Vader continues to move in on the Empire's territory, the clones engage in heavy fire upon him, not knowing who or what is coming for them. Void it up! Roger that! Master, with your permission, I can transmit our authorization code and end this situation immediately. No. Activate weapon system. Looks like we've got ourselves a fight, boys. What the- Hey, he got them both! How do you- with your permission, Lord Vader, I can activate the rear cannons and fire our pursuers. There is no need. I know where they are. I can sense them. Their fear, their pain, their end. As the clones from the base look on in horror from the computers, they start to realize that maybe all the Jedi aren't dead. That just maybe they missed one, and he's back for vengeance. Whoever he is, he's managed to deactivate the way station security protocols. That means he's about to dock. If we can protect it, prove our worth, maybe word gets back to the Emperor. Maybe he keeps us around. Maybe we get to put on those red helmets, stand right next to the Emperor himself. Ready yourselves, troopers! He's coming through! As Vader breaks down the heavy metal door, the clones are struck with fear as they wonder, who the heck is that? Never having seen this monster before in their lives. Take him down! As the room is filled with blue blaster fire, Vader uses the force to move the attacks away from him, being hit a few times in the leg and shoulder as he slams troopers to the walls and into one another. Keep the pressure on! Concentrate your firepower! We've got him! As Vader tests his new body and force powers, he crumples the troopers with a heavy box. Having enough of this nonsense, he summons a nearby lightsaber with the force to his grasp. Okay, that's definitely a Jedi. 
But what of 66? I thought we killed them all. Say it a little louder, Ding. He might not have heard you. Now, it was game over. Vader lunges at them with the Force and presses his attack, swiftly slicing through each clone like a hot knife in Fall back! Recruit on deck! As Vader walks over to the computer, he asks his droid, Does this archive contain a record of all Jedi assignments before the execution of Order 66? Yes, a backup from the primary records at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. I require data on any Jedi who took the Barish Vow prior to the Purge. The Barish Vow? Clarify your need for this information. I do not expect to be questioned. I expect to be obeyed. As long as I serve you, I will do both. If I ask for a question, it is because I believe the answer will enhance my service. Potential responses to your query include over 14,000 Jedi since the founding of the Order. I can recite all available data on these Jedi. It will take several months, or you could clarify. Either is acceptable to me. My master ordered me to take the kyber crystal for my lightsaber from a Jedi I have defeated in combat. Because of the purge, the task has become difficult. I require a living Jedi. Finding a Barish Taker seems the easiest route, if one exists. Any Jedi pursuing Barish has sworn to refrain from activities related to the Order. Complete disengagement from anything but the Force. It is a type of penance. While a bearish taker would have felt the purge, they would have not allowed themselves to respond to it, or take action of any kind. Which means they may not have gone into hiding after Order 66. I understand. Lord Vader, thank you. Resuming search protocol. Lord Vader, explosive device detected. Take cover. The explosive device did not explode. Yes, I am aware. Get down on your knees. You're coming with us. Coming with us? Just shoot him, Ding. I have a better idea. We know what Jedi are capable of. They're powerful. But they have limits. There's no way he can do anything to us while he's keeping that grenade from exploding. We'll get him in restraints, and then he's ours. And then what? And then we'll take him back to the Emperor. Offer him up like a prize. Who knows what he'll give us if we bring him a Jedi traitor. No more retirement. Red helmets, for sure. Troopers, you have made a mistake. Oh yeah? What's that? I am not a Jedi. I have no limits. Have you completed your search? I would prefer that this phase of the operation be completed quickly. I have it, Master. Search complete. Who? It is unlikely you have encountered him before. He has been on his pilgrimage since before you entered the Jedi Temple. Who? He is unique, even for a Jedi. His name is Kirak Infila. It has been many years since he has been active in Jedi affairs, but the records show that even when he was, he did not take part in diplomacy training or research. Apparently, Master Infila had precisely one purpose within the Order to fight. So in today's issue, we meet Kirak Infila, the mysterious Jedi Master who took the Barish Vow. 
Now, for those who don't know or didn't watch the other videos, it's essentially just this oath taken by Jedi to refrain from all activities of the Order. In this master's case, he felt the pain from Order 66, however, refrained from responding to it. As we see him fight his Jedi training droid on Aldolim in the mid-rib, we get a slight demo of Master Infila's abilities, as his droid says, Fighting while assembling four Padawan's traps at once, Master Infila. It seems ill-advised, even for you. Which shows us just a little bit of his skill in fighting, and it's clearly masterful. Especially seeing as how he keeps in shape during times of peace, or so he thinks. Coming to a dead stop with his training, he looks into the distance and utters, Something is coming, something dark. Prepare the mountain's defenses. As Vader's ship nears, his droid tells him of the threat approaching as the ship is hit with a massive metal piece of art, sending Vader's ship crashing to the ground. His droid tells him that the systems will be online in no more than two days, hoping Vader will wait until then to attack. Vader, being who he is, leaves the ship to search the planet for the Jedi. I do not wish to disappoint him. As Vader dodges and looks up to the cliff's peak, he sees the Jedi he has been searching for. Wasting no time, he reaches out and chokes him using the Force, until the Jedi has enough and sends a shockwave blast to disarm the attack, asking Vader if it was him who caused the shift in the Force of all the Jedi's death. For my transgressions, I took the bearish bow to live alone inside the Force until my true path as a Jedi became clear. I declare my bearish complete, for my brothers and sisters are dead and their murderer stands before me. I know my path, killer, and its end is also yours. This mountain is called Pasval. It is a sacred place designed to test all Jedi who come here. The higher you go, the more demanding the challenges become. I will await you at the summit, beast, on the highest ground. Come, seek me out. It's kind of too good to be true, but it's official. Vader gets taunted with the high ground once again. As Vader tries to walk up the mountain, he's flooded by the gates that Infila open, drowning him in a whirlpool of violent water. Having enough, jumping up and causing a force shockwave to separate the river before him, he made his way up the mountain as he was bombarded with Raptorans. Now, Raptorans are just these giant eagles, pretty much, and they sink their talons into his flesh and body until he uses the force to break their beaks and send them crashing into the stones below, not without losing his protective covering of his suit on his leg. As the Jedi Master orders his droid to deactivate all traps, he allows Vader to advance faster and meet him atop the highest ground where Vader Force pushes the Jedi onto his back and fights his droid, taking him out with ease and claiming his weapon. Now the fight was on. Facing the Jedi, the two circle each other until they ensue in a battle atop the high ground, purple and green flashing into the sky until Vader's cybernetic leg starts to give out on him and snaps mid-fight, putting him to his knees and a green lightsaber to his throat. As Infila tells Vader, once you are dead, I will seek out your master and destroy him as well. 
And then I will restore the light of the Jedi to the galaxy. Think on that, monster! As he force pushes Vader violently to his doom off the cliff, sending the Dark Lord to the shadowy boulder depths below. The comic sadly ends here, and we're forced to impatiently wait for the following issue that I know is going to be literally picking up from Vader's fall. As he lays atop a boulder that broke his fall, he moans in the agonizing pain that his body is in. When he is brought to his senses by the Jedi Master's annoying droid that he discarded of earlier in the fight, who tells him, You are defeated. I require my ship. Here we have Jedi Master Infila going to see Marina, his mechanic on the planet who kept his ship parked for too many years to remember. Years, Marina, all of which you were paid for in advance to store my ship, and now. I need it. As she begins to immediately work on his ship, he informs them that he has just killed a Sith and must fly to fight and kill his master, saving the galaxy in the process. When he is struck by a dark tremor in the Force. No, it's not possible. When the mother asks what is the matter, Master Infila says, I sensed. Nothing. I'm sure it's nothing. Stay in here. I'll... I'll check. Ah. You... Come. All of you, please get back inside. Marina, keep working on that ship. Get it ready to fly as quickly as you can. I'm going to end this. As the Jedi Master and the Dark Lord of the Sith battle one another atop a stone bridge being half swallowed by the angry seas, they are interrupted by security personnel, but not for long. No. When Vader uses the force to push them to their deaths, causing Master Infila to drop his guard and counter the attack by saving them. Now, when it comes to a duel of the force, Vader is, in my opinion, the second strongest in the galaxy after Palpatine. Not counting Luke, of course, once he begins to realize his true power. And I say Vader's only second because of the hindrance after his duel with Obi-Wan. Otherwise, he was destined to become more powerful than Yoda and Palpatine. As the Master Jedi saves the men, he screams, You are a monster! Yes, I am. As Vader breaks the entire canister containing water below them, You, you can't do this! I won't let you! Master Infila tells Vader that this is about the Jedi and the Sith, and not about the innocence of the planet. Vader tells him, You are fool, and draws upon the Jedi's green lightsaber, summoning it to his grasp. Now, all he had to do was finish the job. Of course, it's about them. As he lifts Master Infila into the air, his rage and suffering now consuming and feeding his strength. Kill me, but let them live. As Vader unleashes his fury and his new powers of the dark side, dropping the water tank on the city, he crushed the windpipe of the Master Jedi, putting him to an eternal sleep, one with the Force, and sending the Jedi to the depths of the ocean. As Vader stood atop the bridge, his tattered and torn cape flowing in the salted wind of the seas, overlooking the city he just destroyed and the lives that he took, he examined the weapon in his hand. For alas, he now acquired his first lightsaber as a Sith Lord. The only thing left was to make the crystal bleed.
As Vader leaves the river moon of Eldalin, he receives a transmission by Sidious, who tells him that upon completion of the feeding the Jedi that survived Order 66, his ship would autopilot him to Mustafar upon orders. This is where he would learn to corrupt the living crystal and make it bleed red. As Vader begins to touch down on Mustafar, Sidious tells him that the planet is a good host of dark side energy at its core, and this would be the perfect place for him to turn his crystal red. Here you will reclaim yourself from the site of your greatest defeat. You shall rise strong, unbroken, powerful. As Sidious tells him that the Jedi weapon in his hands contained the alive crystal which pulses with light side energy, and that the task will not be easy, but rather test his abilities in both mind and the Force. When you arrive on Mustafar, find the place where the dark side calls you. Draw upon the energy there. Combine its power with your own. Then, use it. As Palpatine tells him to corrupt the kyber crystal, to teach it his pain, to show it his anger, and to make it sing the hymn of darkness, only then will it bleed. As Vader follows to pull to the dark side of the Force, he enters a dark cave which has clearly been the home of ancient Sith Lords that I'm sure we'll learn about in the future, hopefully, as we can see the ancient writing and hieroglyphics inscribed on the stone walls. Vader walks to the round table-like surface, places the Jedi weapon on it, and begins to take it apart, his cybernetics exposed just like his true feelings are about to be. And therein lies the choice of his destiny. This moment would change the galaxy forever. Could Vader break through the pull of the light, or will he fall to his old Jedi ways? As Vader takes the green kyber crystal from the hilt of the weapon, he examines it closely through his enhanced lenses. As it begins to glow and shine in front of him, as he tries to put his feelings into the crystal in order to change it to the dark side, he is blasted back into the wall. Something has changed. It's Anakin. He's here. What have I done? His eyes no longer sit yellow, but their normal blue once again. As he gets up to put the crystal back into the lightsaber, he leaves for Coruscant to see his master. My apprentice, you have returned. Were you successful in your quest? I was. When Vader ignites the green blade and puts it to his master, challenging him to duel to the death. Ah, uh, so you made your decision. I have. As Palpatine ignites his lightsaber, he twirls at Vader just as he had against Master Windu and the Jedi with him in the very same room. As Vader fights his master for what he turned him into, using all aspects of the Force, light, dark, it didn't matter. You have chosen weakness. So Whatever to kill the evil monster that entombed his life to this darkness that reminded him of his doom with each loud breath. Such a waste. As Vader finally moves his lightsaber and slices right through Palpatine, Spurning blood everywhere, he drops his master to the floor of his office and walks away as he replies, Yes, I agree. As he goes to make amends with Obi-Wan, he travels to find him, bowing to his real master and removing his helmet in sorrow. Obi-Wan, please. Anakin. Anakin.
As Vader awakens from his dream, he refuses to allow that Force vision to become his reality and his destiny. He will not allow this. Grabbing the crystal, this time with force, anger, pain, hatred, polluting all the emotions he has into the living object that will swing his rage for the rest of his life. No, I refuse. This is all there is. Throwing all of his hatred, betrayal, fear, sorrow, and everything broken within the boy who dreamed of becoming a Jedi. As lightning crackled from the fiery skies above and lava swirled around him like the pain within his black soul, he let out a scream as if he were being born a thousand times. <laughs> Construction continues apace, Your Excellency. I believe we will meet or surpass all targets. As Palpatine tells both Tarkin and Masamita to leave, he assures them he is perfectly safe. Now, mind you, this is the first time that they see Vader. They have no clue who or what he is. Apprentice. My master. <laughs> As we start the first page of today's issue, we're given the very bold picture of Sidious observing all of Vader's armor displayed on a table as his droids carefully repair it for his new apprentice. As Sidious walks over to the back to tank where Vader heals his wounds, he tells him, Why, Lord Vader, you have ruined yourself. Your mission was successful. That is all that matters. You now possess the weapon. Of a As he tells Vader the droids will fix his suit, he realizes that much like his weapon, his suit must be built to his preference, leaving Vader to construct his armor however he sees fit. Adjust the suit as you see fit, my apprentice. When you are ready, come to me. There is work to be done. As Sidious leaves, Vader begins to use the Force to construct his suit to his liking bringing us to the next scene, which is at the Jedi Temple. We're hit with a cloaked figure reminiscing over a time that once was, a time that he refers to as filled with lies. Lord Vader, there is an intruder in the Jedi Temple. Deal with them. As the mysterious figure looms over the archives in the temple, whispering that no one will deny him access now to the restricted section, Vader appears behind him. Wrong. As the intruder follows suit and ignites a red lightsaber of his own, the two engage in a heated duel within the very halls that Anakin murdered the Jedi. Sending him to the wall, Vader merely toys with the man, as we can now see that he is an Inquisitor, like we've seen in Rebels. You are losing. I am too powerful for you. And now, you fool, I have you. You have nothing. I was simply testing my suit. What? As Vader breaks the Inquisitor down to the ground, Sidious emerges from the depths of the shadows to stop his apprentice before he kills yet another being in the Jedi Temple. As Palpatine begins to move forwards, introducing and explaining who everyone is, we learn that the Inquisitor was commanded to serve Sidious and the Empire in hunting down and killing the Jedi. Vader stands perplexed. He questions his master, where Palpatine takes Vader to the Industrial District to learn all about the Inquisitors and what he's been doing behind the scenes. A project of mine, long plan. Slaves to the light side, once now awake. Hunters, one and all. What do they hunt? Why, Jedi, of course. 
As Vader asks who the Inquisitor is, Palpatine tells him that he was once a Jedi. Trained in the Jedi arts, however, resentful that someone with his skill was not allowed access to the higher councils, the greater secrets of the Order. This is somewhat similar of Anakin's dilemma of wanting to become a Jedi Master. He has much to learn, as do the others. You will teach them. Make them a blade that will cut the Jedi fiction from the galaxy once and for all. I will begin immediately, my master. As Palpatine goes on to tell Vader that most of the Jedi were wiped out during Order 66, however some still remained. The luckiest, the deadliest, the strongest, the most duplicitous, willing to tell any lie to save their lives. You and the Inquisitors must find these Jedi, Lord Vader. You must destroy them all, for in truth, there is no greater threat to our empire. <laughs> So that wraps up the sixth issue of the comic. I personally am happy we got to see the first appearance of the Inquisitors, which were fully formed so early after the Purge. Now, that said, I have to give my full thoughts on it. You know, it's easy to say, oh yeah, you know, I loved it, here's the video, click like, and see you guys next time. But that's just not true to me and true to the channel. I have a major issue with this. Issue. <laughs> now, the Jedi at the end there is Jocasta New, if I'm not mistaken. This is the old lady librarian who was so rude to Master Kenobi in Attack of the Clones. It's only an arm. Get up and fight. Lord Vader, I must protest. What will chopping off six brothers' arm possibly teach him? Losh. He will never forget it. None of them will. As Vader leads the Grand Inquisitor upstairs, he tells him that his men are not ready. Being told that the Inquisitors were trained by Jedi, Vader snarkily replies, And they fight like it. Defensive, moving to attack only when there is no other choice. I will instruct you. You will bring my lessons to the others. Any Inquisitor who does not progress will be eliminated. As Vader motions towards the computer, he explains that their mission begins now, as they go over a list from the Emperor who has documented all surviving Jedi from Order 66. Informing Vader of the Emperor's hit on the most important and dangerous Jedi survivor, Jocasta Nude. Now, for those of you who don't remember her, she is the really rude, annoying librarian from Episode 2 Attack of the Clones, who tells Obi-Wan that if something isn't in the Jedi Archives, then it simply doesn't exist. Okay, let's continue. She is given extra emphasis, but I do not know why. Now, while Vader and the Grand Inquisitor speak out about how useless and weak she is, they wonder why she's been rated as the most wanted Jedi after Order 66. As the scene goes to Jocasta New on a mystical planet, we see her meditating into a Jedi holocron. As she says the words, Whoever is seeing this, it's up to you now. Flipping the page, we see her being delivered some tea as she is asked to retire for the day when she pulls aside a crate full of Jedi holocrons that must be fulfilled, saying, if my work is not complete, then I must work. So she clearly has that same snarky attitude that we saw in episode two. As Darth Vader takes the Grand Inquisitor to the Jedi Temple archives, he orders him to go through all the information containing any clues as to where the surviving Jedi are. Do not fail. Don't worry, Vader. I've waited my whole life for this. As Jocastanu runs through the mysterious planet's waterfalls, we see her carrying another Jedi holocron into a cave, greeting Gar, her assistant, as he prepares them a meal. She then stops dead in her tracks, grabbing a small chest from above her bed. 
As Gar says that she doesn't need it anymore, that her work is done and the archives are now all complete, that she can run away and be anyone that she wants, the librarian Jedi Master pauses and tells him, Oh, my friend, don't you see? I haven't built an archive here. I've built a school. Grabbing her things and telling him that her mission will be extremely dangerous, she says if the Force wills it, she will return, and then they can truly begin. Asking what she means, she replies, A school needs students. Lord Vader, report. As Vader tells his master that the Inquisitors will do their duty, the Emperor begins to change the subject, as the Dark Lord inquires something. Proceed. I have seen the Inquisitor's target list, one name distinct from the others. Clearly, you wished me to ask you about it. And so, of all the remaining Jedi, why Jocasta Luke? As the Librarian Jedi Master takes her lightsaber and puts it to her belt, she travels to her destination. Ah yes, Jocasta Liu. She is ancient, middling in the Force, barely competent with a lightsaber, and yet the crone could end everything we are trying to do. For you see, the Jedi Order held power in the Republic for far too long. They abused that power. They laid claim to every site of interest to the Force across the galaxy. Shrines, wells of energy, ancient temples. They took them, believed they were theirs by right. The Jedi plundered these sites, took everything of value from them, and brought these items here to Coruscant. And then they gave them to Jocasta New to guard. Not just secrets of the light side of the Force, the dark side as well. Secrets that were not theirs to keep. Secrets even of the ancient Sith. Stop there, citizen. Identify yourself. She is little better than a witch. As Jocasta New uses a Jedi mind trick on the clones, she walks into the Jedi Temple through a secret passageway. She is no one. No one at all. We see nothing. Nothing at all. As Vader tells his master that he will end her life, personally, Palpatine has other plans for him. He tells Vader that he must refrain from killing her. Lord Vader, release him. Thank you for your support, Colonel. I hope your division will show improved performance in the weeks to come. You may go. As Palpatine continues to tell Vader that he mustn't use his powers on just anyone, that he, Sidious, understands the boredom that they may feel now that almost all the Jedi are extinct. However, to use one's powers for just any creature below them will turn one into a slave, into a tool, instead of the master. I feel these things too, Vader, and this is good. These emotions open a door to the great power of the dark side. As we see Jocasta New running through the temple, witnessing the ruins that it has been left in after Order 66, she gets a signal from B2, her droid back at the ship, warning her of being discovered. B2 detonates the ship and himself, alerting all Imperial forces in the area. As she enters the Jedi Archives, seeing the Grand Inquisitor following Vader's orders and studying everything that he can about the Jedi, marveling in how nothing interesting is in these books, we can see it hitting a very sensitive spot for Jocasta, where she tries to keep focused on the mission at hand instead of confronting him as she runs through the corridors. A bomb, then. Excuse me, sir. We found this. Thought you should probably take a look. Jedi, 
As they call it into Vader, we can see just how new Vader is to the Empire, as even one of the higher officials doesn't know of him yet. Someone new. I've never heard of him. Strange name. While Vader meditates in his chair, he is interrupted by a servant, who I believe is Vignet, telling him that he is needed, as an incident has taken place in the city, a possible connection to the Jedi. I'm sorry to disturb your meditation, my lord, but we have just received a report from the Imperial Security Bureau. An incident in the city, a possible connection to the Jedi. Tell them I am coming. Using the Force to move certain books around which trigger a key in the wall, Jocasta New moves through the secret doorway that just opened. Master Activist Jocasta New, you have returned at last. I have kept my watch. Everything is exactly as you left it. As Jocasta, the activist, moves through the Jedi Temple's hidden room, which what I can only imagine is part of the restricted section or something even more forbidden, we see all of the Sith holocrons sitting in display cases with a giant one sitting right next to that case. As Vader stands amidst the investigation of the bomb's leftover pieces, the officer tells him that it was just a bomb and the Jedi insignia was on it, merely just graffiti from those rebelling against the Empire. You are wrong. As the officer tries to tell Vader about his prestigious years of experience and that he doesn't really have to answer to him, Vader uses the Force to bring together the pieces of rubble and form them into what they once were, Jocasta News ship. Lord Vader, we were only getting started. In time, I'm sure we There will... is no time. A Jedi is on this planet. Take your team, search every level. Avoid only the former Jedi Temple. The temple, but if a Jedi is here, it seems likely they might head there. Surely someone should search it. Someone will. As Vader swiftly turns on his heel, cape billowing behind his strides, we enter the next scene where Jocasta New holds the most important piece of this issue, and realistically, the end of the Empire as a whole, if in the right hands, depending on your certain point of view, of course. The Order's database of every Force-sensitive child we knew of in the galaxy, as of just before the Purge, a seed from which we will grow again. Goodbye. Thank you for your service. If fate wills it, we will see each other again. Of course. May the Force be with you. As the old Jedi Master leaves the hidden room, she glares at the Inquisitor who mocks her books and throws them aside with distaste. Don't be a fool. It doesn't matter. Hmm. Trivial. Jumping down to the table below, she ignites her blue lightsaber to the throat of the Inquisitor, shouting, Get your filthy hands off my books! As Vader sped to the Jedi Temple, his anger and hatred growing with each flap of his cape billowing in the Coruscant night sky behind him, landing at the very steps where he marched with the 501st to spill Jedi blood during Order 66. He walked by his troops when one clone says, The Temple is sealed, Lord Vader. What are your orders? Unless authorized by either the Emperor or me, no one enters, no one leaves. As Vader moves up the grand steps, he is slowed by a clone that asks him what they should be expecting, as they have no intel on the situation other than there's been a breach. A little more information about who we're facing might enable me to make better tactical decisions. Commander, were you involved with the implementation of Order 66? Yes, I was here in Coruscant, did my part. All the clones did, shut those Jedi agitators down cold. It seems, Commander. You missed some. Who are you and how dare you defile this sacred place? As the Grand Inquisitor stands at lightsaber point, he asks Jocasta if she recognizes him. 
After having denied him access to the higher archives countless times, it should be obvious who he is. Standing back in shock, Master Jocasta asks if he is a Jedi. When the Grand Inquisitor ignites his red lightsaber and attacks her, as she whispers, Sith. No, not yet. Perhaps never, but close enough. Fighting in a spiral of red and blue fire, the two move through the archives with the intent to kill. Jocasta asks him why he would betray the Order. The Inquisitor replied that he never felt right at the temple, how he always felt something was being denied of him. Now at last, that void has been filled with the purity of the dark side. Back then I thought perhaps I could find what I was missing in these archives, and you would not let me look. As Jocasta sends a wave of force energy to push the Grand Inquisitor back, she tells him that if she denied him access, it was because she felt he was not ready for such knowledge. As the Grand Inquisitor tells her that he always wanted to strike her down, but knew the other Jedi would stop him, how she was not put into the library because of her combat skills, or rather, lack thereof. He kicks her to the floor and gets ready to end her life, raising his red lightsaber, telling her that there are no other Jedi here to save her. He swiftly slashes down as Jocasta recites the same line Chirrut Imwi always says. I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. Stopped as if he hit a wall. Looking up, the Grand Inquisitor sees Lord Vader has blocked the finishing strike. No. She is defenseless. Why shouldn't I kill her? Because I do not wish it. As Vader and the Inquisitor argue on who should lower the weapon first, Jocasta takes the opportunity and levitates the books from the archives, firing them at her enemies. Summoning her lightsaber, she escapes up the pillar to the second level. Master Nu, you have nowhere to go. It was you, wasn't it? You killed this order. Or you played a role in its end. You are a true Sith. As Jocasta tells Vader through the echoes that she knows why he wants her alive, to attain her secrets, to reveal the knowledge of the archives. To that Sith, I say one word. Never. Authorization codes accepted. Activating purge sequence. Sequence complete. All data erased. May the Force forgive me. Your treasure is gone, Sith! All you have left is me! As Vader tracks down Jocasta, he comes across a droid that was guarding the hidden room she entered in the last issue. The room was filled with old Sith holocrons and artifacts. As it scans Vader's presence, it declares... Hello, bioscans indicate match to Jedi Master Anakin Skywalker. My apologies, Master Skywalker, but your presence in this vault is not authorized. If you would like access, please follow the proper procedures to request user privileges from Master Jocasta. As Vader hurls his red lightsaber at the security droid, certain it will pierce through its droning head. The droid catches it and says, Master Skywalker, I am the guardian protector of one of the most sensitive areas of the Jedi Temple, programmed to defend against any and all threats to its security. Of course, that includes techniques related to Jedi saber attacks. Or perhaps, Sith? In any case, a fine addition to this vault's inventory. As Vader dashes towards the bot, shouting for it to die, the metal fists clenched. He detaches one of its arms and flings it across the room. As the two begin to fight each other, metal metal, Master Jocasta is seen running through the corridor, searching for something. Skywalker, oh my! This is very, very bad. Where is that thing? Searching for her item, Vader and the bot continue to fight one another in a full-on mechanical war. Ah, 
At last. As Jocasta puts together what she's found, Bailey punches through the head of the robot, finishing the fight and putting it to rest for good. As he quickly ignites his lightsaber to flex a massive sniper ion blast to his face. It was Jocasta. She had equipped one of the most powerful weapons in the Jedi archives as Vader is sent flying backwards into the shattering walls. The scene turns to Jocasta. She cocks the weapon and says, My turn. As Vader and Jocasta new square off in the hallway, Lay down your weapon, Jedi. I do not want you to die. As Jocasta begins to tell Vader that she feels the dark side emanate from his very being in waves, she fires another blast at him, which, by the way, is the coolest looking gun that I've seen. It uses her lightsaber as the energy bullets, essentially, and I'll have to cover this weapon on its own after because it's pretty different. As Jocasta continues her monologue, she tells Vader that she knows he was Anakin Skywalker and has now been twisted into Palpatine's tool to stamp out the light side of the Force. That the Force is eternal and will always be so as long as life exists. It will find its vessels. It always does. It already has. There are others waiting out in the galaxy. As her weapon malfunctions, melting her lightsaber in the process, Vader dodges quickly as she throws the broken gun at him, exploding it in mid-air as he uses the force to toss it aside, revealing a massive crater in the temple's wall, alerting all the clones nearby. As she summoned one of the several lightsabers carefully displayed in the wall, she ignited an emerald green blade from a very unique and ancient looking hilt as she runs out to meet the clones below, who all fire upon her without hesitation. That's a Jedi. All troops, open fire. As the clone troopers open fire on her, they spot a second Jedi up top in the temple. However, to their surprise, it's Lord Vader wielding his red lightsaber. As Jocasta and Vader block the oncoming fire, a clone commander up top sees Vader being attacked and immediately orders all troops to seize fire as he jumps aboard the vessel. All troops, do not fire. That is a high value target. As Jocasta Nu falls backwards to take her life, she whispers, I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. Falling to the darkness beneath her, she freezes in midair, looking up as she says, No. Seeing Vader hold her with the Force from above, summoning her to his grip. Bring her aboard. As the clone trooper brings Vader the memory crystal from Jocasta's secret archive that she hid in her robes, he examines it and inserts it into his belt, where all the names and data show up on his ocular lenses. This list. Names, locations, and birth dates. Recent birth dates. These are children. Vader realizes that these are all targets remaining from Order 66. Jocasta Nu tells him that she knows Palpatine ordered him to keep her alive, and that he doesn't even know why. He wants to make more of you, which begs the question, what do you want, boy? As the trooper asks Vader if he can fire upon Jocasta, the Jedi in question, Jocasta says, Jedi? You idiot! You don't even know who you're supposed to hate! You're taking orders from a Jedi! This man is Anakin Skywalker! A Jedi Knight! As Vader blasts all the troopers with the Force from the ship, Jocasta Nu asks, What becomes of me? As Vader ignites his blood-red crimson saber, the glow casting a shadow on Jocasta's face, she accepts her fate, where we are taken to the next scene. Master, I have a report. Jocasta Nu tried to escape our custody. She was careless. She perished in the attempt. I see. Regrettable. 
Return to me, my apprentice. I would hear the story of the witch's end. But first, tell me, did you learn anything from Jocasta before her death? No, master. Nothing. Destroying the crystal with all the files of the potential force sensitives in the galaxy, as a means of securing his position to never be replaced by the Emperor, Vader returns to his master. As Jocasta's caretaker continues to watch over the hidden holocrons and data tapes on that mysterious planet behind the waterfall, realizing that Jocasta is now dead, he hits the detonation device in his hands, collapsing the entryway behind the waterfall itself, as Jocasta's words to Vader echo through the last page. It will find its vessels. It always does. It already has. You know this. There are others waiting out in the galaxy. When the time is right, the Jedi will rise again. We start today's issue off with Vader and the Ninth Sister, investigating a bar fight that happened, where she tells him that reports were made of someone using the Force to get out of the fight. This makes Vader very angry. The fact that a new Jedi could be on the loose, another Jedi is out there. That Order 66 didn't really succeed as well as he hoped. He goes outside to enter the other entrance to the bar, when she tells him that during the time that she was a Jedi, she knew everyone had unique gifts, whereas hers was the ability to detect emotions. And now that she's turned to the dark side, that power is amplified even more. As Vader leaves, she calls him a poor sadistic monster, obviously behind his back, dying for a fight, or rather, dying to die his miserable life. As Vader enters the bar, we get this old western kind of feeling. When everyone goes silent as he asks the hive of scum and villainy, what happened to the Jedi that was here? Tell me. As everyone stops to examine who this man is, or rather this monster, up above on the railing, a literal family of three bounty hunters have their scopes on him. Particularly, a tractor beam scope on his lightsaber that he took from Kirak in Fila and corrupted the crystal to make it bleed red. Once he finally notices something is being snatched from his belt, he quickly reacts and pulls it to him using the force. When the daughter of the family throws an ion charge, exploding it to all nearby electronic devices, as his lightsaber breaks in half, tumbling the corrupted blood red crystal to the floor. As the family tells everyone in the bar that no one is going to get hurt, that they're just here for the Jedi, Vader levitates several aliens in the air and simultaneously force chokes them all, hurling them as hard as he can at his assassins. Lucky for them though, they activated their force shield, which kept them safe, for now. Ninth sister, I am under attack by bounty hunters. They triggered an iron pulse and destroyed my lightsaber. Bring me yours. Ion Pulse, eh? Guess it fried mine too. Oh well. As the bounty hunters open fire on Lord Vader, he raises bodies from the floor to create an organic shield around him. As they take the fire, keeping him safe amidst the blaze, allowing him a chance to escape, he flees for the door and summons his red crystal with him. While the hunters get away, Vader appears and accuses the ninth sister of betrayal, telling her that she was the one who ordered them here to kill him. When she assures him that it was not her, he summons her lightsaber and puts the emitter to her throat, telling her, It is only a matter of time until I learn the truth. We shall see. Wait here until I return. If you flee, you will die. 
Racing after his new targets in a high-speed chase, he dodges blaster fire after blaster fire and raises entire transport units into the sky, hurling one at them when they quickly ignite their shields, only to wake in a fiery blaze. As they begin to come to, Vader grabs the daughter with the Force and throws her in the air, choking her to death. Who hired you? Screaming and pleading for him to stop, they reveal that they don't know for it was just an anonymous job sent through the hunter net. This is when Vader looks at them and says, That is unfortunate. Quickly telling him that they can find out, bartering for him to let her go, or else they'll never tell, and if she dies, they'll have nothing to live for. He quickly releases her as they break the encryption code of the Order and trace it back to the one who sent the hit on Vader, himself. As the hologram projector on their wrists reveal the location of the person responsible, Vader looks at the building. As she says, Looks like the Senate District in the Republic Executive Building. Where? I think all the way at the top. Today we start with Vader and the Ninth Sister traveling to Coruscant, where Vader's droid tells him, The kill contract against you was sent from the highest levels of the Imperial Executive Building, which include the offices of Emperor Palpatine. There is a 97% probability the signal originated there. I see no evidence of slicing. As Vader constructs his new lightsaber, he asks for all names of officers with access codes to level 1A1 and above. As they enter Coruscant, their comms link is jammed by someone, disallowing them to give the access codes to enter the planet. Being targeted by Coruscant defense systems, Vader pushes the Ninth Sister aside when she tells him that he better have some dark side tricks up his sleeve, as he says, No tricks. Skill. As they crash land on Coruscant, Vader meets up with Palpatine in the old Jedi Temple where Sidious tells him that his fight with Jocasta was not a defeat, nor was it a victory. However, he's astounded by the amount of Sith and Jedi artifacts that she possessed. The contract originated here, sent from the highest levels of Imperial government. The highest? Yes. Did it come from you? I see you have rebuilt your lightsaber, Lord Vader. May I see it? An improvement. I think the hilt you took from Master Infila did not suit. If I wanted you dead, my apprentice, I would not require such indirect methods. I thought perhaps a test of some kind. I do not test. I teach. Asidius tells Vader that if he wants to pursue his assassins, he can do so on his own time, as he has an empire to build himself. As Vader goes to meditate, we then see this cross scene between the actual assassins and his deep force trance. As they're so conveniently in this masked bar, they reveal that they were the ones who did want Vader dead, and they won't stop until he is. Now one thing I want to point out is that while they speak, we can see Vader meditating. And while he does, for those who have been with me for a while, you may remember this video right here. This was where we saw Vader meditate in the same spot in the same way. We'll try again and again and again if we have to. Eventually, he'll die. Everything dies. As Vader ends his meditation, he goes to his master and tells him that no one in the Empire knows that he has command, and maybe this is why he is being assassinated, because no one respects him. They know he has strength, but not his authority, not his power, Palpatine's power. So, Sidious rounds up all the elite Imperial officers in the area and tells them, It is time to eliminate any confusion. 
This is Lord Vader. He speaks with my voice. A command from him is as a command from me. Pass this information down to your men. All must understand. Pharaoh, Binyan, Streffy, Azoras, Baroki, step forward. Two attempts have been made on my life. Evidence suggests a conspiracy within the Imperial Officer Corps. I do not yet know the precise individuals behind these attempts, although I have my suspicions. It does not matter. I will always survive. Every time I will survive. But five of you, chosen at random, will not. As the bodies drop to the floor and Vader strikes fear into his officers officially, he turns swiftly on his heel and leaves back to his chair where he resumes his meditation and extinguishes every light side emotion within him, symbolized by those butterflies, cracking the thick glass window as he wakes to make his next move on his killers. Fire and lava ablaze, Vader is right back on Mustafar before he was beaten and burned by his former master. As Obi-Wan jumps to the high ground, he looks to Anakin and tells him, it's over, and you guys know the rest. When we see Vader say the exact same line Anakin did in Revenge of the Sith, standing in the exact same spot. However, this time, his powers fully unlocked in the dark side, his rage burning hotter than the lava that sparked his inevitable doom. As he says, you underestimate my power. As Obi-Wan tells him not to try it, we all know what happened in the original timeline, where Anakin jumped and got sliced into pieces. Vader now harnessing the dark side of the Force, lifts the lava onto Obi-Wan and then throws him into the air, slamming him to the ground. As Vader watches his old master recite the same lines, only now having switched places, the comic actually gets really dark, which surprised me to say the least, but in a good way. As lava comes crashing down onto Obi-Wan's body and face, melting and burning him alive as it devours him whole, Vader just callously stands there, watching in amusement, remembering where he lay at the hands of Kenobi. As his mask lowers onto his scarred head, Lord Sidious' voice speaks to him. Lord Vader, come to me. I have a task for you. Yes, my master. The time has come for this empire to evolve. It must become more than a political abstraction. In the three years since my ascension, I have allowed a convenient fiction to persist, that the empire is merely an extension of the Republic. The Imperial Senate remains an illusion of many voices coming together to govern. In truth, there is only one voice. Mine. As Palpatine continues to talk, he basically tells Vader that the Moncala are very defiant to the Empire. As Sidious tells Vader that it is time the Empire show its true strength to the galaxy, Vader asks him if the weapon is ready, where Sidious tells his apprentice, No, 
critic and his scientists inform me its primary weapon is not yet operational. But we have many weapons. Star Destroyers, the new fighters, they will suffice. My master, I will lead a military maneuver against Moncala if you wish. But I am no longer a general. As Palpatine tells him that he is still demoted, he informs him that there is something fishy going on with the planet of Moncala, that he thinks they are cooperating with a Master Jedi. Vader jumps at the word, bowing to his master as he is instructed to find out who the Jedi is, if there is one, and to put a stop to it and any more that survived Order 66. As the scene shifts paced Tarkin aboard the Imperial Star Destroyer, we see his subordinates suggest to use firepower on the planet, where Tarkin tells him that the negotiations must resume diplomatically, as Moncala is a valuable planet to the Empire with many advantages. To blow it up would be poor judgment so soon. Besides, he says how Palpatine really enjoys the Moncala aquatic ballet, telling them he will not destroy it, not without cause, we are taken down to the planet itself, in the city of Dak, where we see one of the Empire's negotiators speaking to King Lee Char. He speaks to him about giving the Empire their Kelpite strand beams for practically pennies, all in favor of being protected by the Empire itself. When the King says protection from what, the galaxy is at peace. As Vader's ship flies by Tarkin in space, he grants it permission to proceed to the planet, telling his troops that this ship offers a different type of negotiation. As Radis and the King speak about the mysterious Jedi friend who is so focused on saving the galaxy, Vader and the Inquisitors finally land. Opening the door to see Commander Akbar, the infamous man tells the Inquisitors to halt as he is handed an official order with the Emperor's seal himself, instructing them that any interference with the Inquisitorius will be an act of war against the Empire. Clearly having an issue with the memo from the Emperor, Akbar looks in disgust as the Ninth Sister tells him to take it up with the boss. As he looks to the ship and from the red smoke emerges, the black figure of death, Lord Vader has arrived. Now this part of the comic is pretty cool in my opinion on Akbar's part. He full on tells Vader to reveal his intentions before he lets him continue pretty much denying him and not bowing before him like everyone else. As Vader yields and tells the commander that they are on the hunt for an enemy of the Empire, Akbar stands back in confusion, telling Lord Vader that no one here is an enemy of the Empire. When all of a sudden the Imperial shuttle bursts into flames as Vader and his crew continue to walk past Akbar and his awestruck men, saying, Commander, you are mistaken. As notice of things is brought to Tarkin's attention up above, he sternly looks to the planet and orders for military craft to land on the planet immediately at his orders. As we go to the final but most captivating part of the comic, a voice most likely that of the King is heard echoing to a mysterious Jedi Master in brown robes, telling him or her that the Empire has waged war on the planet and will be landing soon, and that Inquisitors along with another man is joining them. This one is tall, armored, masked, and dressed all in black. As he says, Akbar didn't get his name when the Jedi Master tells him, I know his name. Skywalker. Today's begins with Vader's men and the Empire annihilating the Moncala army after the Imperial ship was destroyed upon its return to Tarkin's starship, orbiting above. As they clear the landing platform, Vader leads them up, where he assures them that the King is still around. 
No disrespect, Lord Vader, but that's assuming the King's even still up there. He probably evacuated the minute the Empire landed an entire battalion on this rock. No, Tenth Brother. He remains. I am certain of it. As Vader tells him that he is familiar with the King, we see him explain the next few things as we see what looks like some very familiar faces from the Clone Wars. As the King reveals that the Battle Above Sea is merely a decoy for the planet's civilians to evacuate underwater and be safe, he realizes that there are two options out of this, and the first that he'll try will shed no further blood at all. Above the planet, we have Tarkin, who commands the King through a hologram interaction to stand down and let the Empire continue their investigation, where King Lee Char tells them that any invasion is a breach of the treaty and they will be forced to uphold aggressive defenses. Tarkin basically does what Tarkin does best here and ends the channel by commanding the King to stand down and ending the transmission. As we go to the mysterious Jedi Master, we see him say the name Skywalker underneath his hooded cloak as he is surrounded by what seems to be friends where he looks at a surveillance monitor observing Vader and the Inquisitors just slicing through those native to the planet. As he removes his hood, he is revealed as Jedi Master Bar. Now Master Bar seems to be a Nektochi, and if I'm correct, that is actually the same species that Seizi Tin is from, which we saw him get annihilated by the Senate. As he asks his droid to project the hologram of a file I assumed is centered around Anakin and Order 66, up comes young Skywalker as he trains in the Jedi Temple as a young boy. Skywalker was the greatest Jedi of his generation, accepted into the temple for training at an age later than any before. I knew him, even sparred with him a few times. He was magnificent. Some of the Jedi Council believed he was sent to bring balance to the Force, to end darkness once and for all. Even the great Obi-Wan Kenobi thought so. They were wrong. This is an image from a course in Security Force holocam stationed above the Temple District on the night of the Jedi Purge. Most of the files were erased, but I found a slicer who pulled this off a backup archive. I've been studying the Purge, trying to understand how we could lose so completely, so quickly. I learned about Order 66, poor deluded Dooku, just how deep it went. But still, we should have been able to foresee our doom. We were peering outward when we should have been looking at ourselves. At him, Palpatine's clones did their part, but the rest he killed. Even the younglings, he hasn't stopped either. He hunts the few survivors alongside his Inquisitors, more former Jedi traitors. Darkness was everywhere inside us, like a cancer, and we just couldn't see it. Skywalker's betrayal did not come without cost. He is dark now, inside and out. He calls himself... Darth Vader. But the sins of Anakin Skywalker remain the sins of Vader. Even the power of the dark side cannot erase the past. The Jedi must be avenged, Master Bar. Send us to destroy this Vader. As easy as that, Reb, Vader is the most dangerous man alive, and his Inquisitors are nearly as bad. I have another plan. If it succeeds, the Jedi will be avenged, the galaxy rid of Vader and his spawn, and great steps taken toward ending the Empire. How? Well, that all depends on the king. As Master Bar tells the king to trust his vision of the evil that the Empire shall turn into, he agrees to the plan and ends transmission. As he looks behind him and sees Vader and the Inquisitors, when he's slammed against the stone wall by the dark side of the Force. Ninth Sister, do your work. As the Ninth Sister interrogates the king's mind to reveal the location of the Jedi Master, which seems like the same kind of attack Kylo Ren uses on Poe and Rey, we see them all look up as massive waves from the native whales create a seismic tsunami where Vader orders the Inquisitor to put up a force shield. When they can't hold it off, he steps in and uses 
all of his rage to hold the way back. But alas, it's far too big and heavy and engulfs the entire surface of the planet, Vader included into the stormy seas of the abyss. As Tarkin informs the commander that Moncala hasn't been destroyed at all, as all of their infrastructure is below seas to begin with, he moves to ask whether any word from Lord Vader has been heard, as the Imperial tells him, he's not responding. Igniting his red lightsaber, illuminating the dark ocean floor as he looks around with his aided ocular lenses. Alert! Oxygen levels at 30% alert. Suit rupture imminent. To find himself before a massive squid-like creature native to the planet. As they go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, Vader is eventually squeezed by the alien creature and his lightsaber falls to the floor of the ocean below. Raising his hand, coming eye to eye with the squid, he summons the dark side and sends a powerful blast of force to the creature's eye, killing it and summoning his lightsaber to his grasp. As he floats through the ocean wreckage with his new kill, almost surfing on it underwater, he enters the Inquisitor's shuttle as he demands to know if the Jedi is dead or not. As the Inquisitors say that the Jedi is still alive, but they know his location, they basically continue to tell Vader that the bright side of the story is that they rescued him. You are fools. I never need rescue. As the Inquisitors tell him that they know the location of the Jedi after torturing out of the King, as we saw in the last issue, Vader condescendingly tells them that the first thing the King will do is tell the Jedi that the Empire is coming for him. We need to move now, and all of you. As King Leechar floats through the ocean, he is rescued by his men. Tarkin is then informed of an imminent attack on an Imperial ship down below, led by Commander Akbar himself. Just once again, noting how battlefield-savvy Akbar was, and how awesome. As Commander Akbar leads his men to the battle, he awaits until the perfect moment to fire all missiles. Fire! Victorious, Akbar leads another victory. The king is brought back to health underwater, where he is suddenly reminded that the Jedi's location has been revealed and he must tell him immediately. Sending transmission to the Jedi Master Bar and his team, King Lee Char tells him that no, the Sith definitely knows of their location as they tortured it out of him, and that they are probably headed there right now. The comic ends with dialogue of Tarkin telling his men that the situation is about to be escalated heavily as we get a nice scenic shot of three Star Destroyers hovering over Moncala, ready for war. As Master Bar orders everyone to evacuate, they scramble in fear as to why when he says, It's Palpatine's band of Jedi hunters, Verla. The Inquisitors, with Darth Vader at their head. As he sets his droid for self-destruction, he extracts his data tape when, But the Empire is attacking this world. You've been advising their king. Won't we do anything to help? We've done what we came here to do, Orvec. And if we're gonna do it again, on as many other planets as we can, we need to leave right now if it is not already too late. As they all jump into the hole before them, entering the ocean of Moncala, when Vader and the Inquisitors are literally in the ship before them, scurrying to get out of the way, Vader clenches his fist and cracks one of the helmets of Master Bar's group. We get a flashback to one of the member's sisters as they are taken to become a Jedi. Then, later during the events of Order 66, she finds out that her sister is being hunted, among all others, by Palpatine, where Master Bar steps in and recruits her. 
We get another flashback of another crew member passing time as they finally get onto land, where once again another flashback takes place as we find out briefly how the next crew member was recruited by Bar. Now up above the planet, Tarkin basically admits that the Imperials are being slaughtered down below as their ships and men are at a disadvantage to the planet's water preferred tactics. Signaling a transmission to Lord Vader, Tarkin says, Lord Vader, Governor Tarkin. I am occupied. I am aware. I request that you allow the rest of your team to locate and dispatch the Jedi. I have another task for you. Secure King Li Cha. I am not subject to your authority. No, hence the request as opposed to an order. But the Mon Calamari and Quarren forces are digging in for a protracted conflict, and our Emperor made it clear that he wanted a swift victory here. If I have the King, I can end this. I suspect you can acquire him faster than anyone else. Will you assist me? I would consider it a personal favor. I would be in your debt. Inquisitors, I have another task. Continue on. Destroy the Jedi. Don't worry, Vader. We'll get him. See that you do. As Master Bar and his two crew members come to a dead end, one is sliced ah! in vertically by the Inquisitor's lightsaber using a force throw. When we get one more flashback, but this time, it's of Anakin Skywalker saving a civilian. And it was this very deed that made Bar's crew member so loyal to the Jedi once Order 66 took place. Ironic how Anakin set that pride and care, only to be the one that was the cause of the end of the Jedi as a whole. As Master Bar throws away his lightsaber, he names the Inquisitors one by one, telling them that he knows they are all Jedi back at the temple before the purge. As the ninth sister steps up and tells him that it doesn't matter, that he's going to die anyways, and they know that he's just a Padawan too, Bar says, Oh, the past does not die. Telling them that he has been studying the past while he's been hiding away from the Empire. As he flips off their helmets with the Force, he concurs that they are all young clones, just as he suspected, probably brought here after the purge as expendable troops for this mission or once like it. As he looks to the Inquisitors after they tell him that he's going to die regardless, he tells them, Once a Jedi, always a Jedi. Execute Order 66. When Bar executes Order 66 in the last episode to the batch of very young and fresh clones, the Inquisitors are fired upon by every clone before them as the 10th brother is brutally killed just like Kiadi was. Rest in peace. Bar tells them that the clones must obey their programming, no better than droids in a sense. As he leaps over them all and runs to the exit with Verla, the remaining Inquisitors are busy deflecting the onslaught. Master Bar, who's really just a Jedi Knight, tells Verla that she must leave the planet with as many allies as she can find. He tells her that there are other Jedi remaining, as he hasn't found any death records of Obi-Wan, Yoda, or Quinlan Vos yet. He tells her to find one and have them teach her, which is super cool since this means we'll finally see a familiar Jedi train her, hopefully. Hello there. Asking him to come with her, he says, No. I have another fight ahead of me, one I intend to win. As the Inquisitors send a massive force push to the clones, they open a pathway to the exit, when the sixth brother swings his lightsaber back and slices off the ninth sister's leg as a means of making a definite getaway, as the clones would focus on killing her. Meanwhile, Vader is outside King Lichar's hideout, when his guards all begin to fire upon Vader, giving us a flashback, rather flash forward, Rogue One against the Rebels. He redirects all their blaster fire to them and cuts them down, 
making his way up the steps and deflects the king's immediate blast back to his hand and knocks the blaster from his grasp. Tarkin, I have the king. Very good, Lord Vader. Transmit your precise location. Take King Lee Char to a window. You have the coordinates, Lieutenant. Yes, Governor Tarkin. Very good. You may fire at will. As the Star Destroyer fires upon the planet, millions and billions are destroyed in the city as the King watches his planet boil and burn to the ground. You are beasts, parasites, evil, but destroy as many cities as you like. It changes nothing. A twitch of my finger could end you forever. You are central to nothing. You do not matter. You have been lied to. No, Vader. I told him the truth. We shall see. Why did you come here? Your death will achieve nothing. My death is not certain, Sith. I killed your Inquisitors. Perhaps I will kill you. No. I sense something. You know you cannot defeat me. Yet you came anyway. There must be a reason. I sense pride. As Jedi Bar tells Vader that he will be the reason Palpatine's cursed empire crumbles to ash, Vader catches on quickly. You assassinated the Imperial Ambassador. Of course I did. I couldn't take the risk that negotiations would bear fruit. That this inevitable conflict would be delayed. As Bar tells him that he needed to stir the pot, essentially between the Empire and the Moncala, he was the one who blew up the Imperial shuttle in order to speed the process of the rebellion, to light the fire to it. As the King hears that the Jedi caused this whole feud, he orders the planet to fall back, telling Tarkin in a transmission that he surrenders, where Tarkin accepts but continues to destroy the planet anyways. As the Moncala get in transport ships to flee the planet and live in space, Vader continues to fight the Jedi Knight, who tells the King that this fire started today against the Empire will inspire trillions of lives in the future, as was his plan. You are no Jedi. Perhaps not. Not anymore. Makes two of us, eh? But I made my choices, and I might not be a Jedi, but I still beat the Sith. As the Empire fires upon the fleeing vessels of Moncala, who have their full shields up, we see the last clone alive from his mission. This is over. This is not over. You will see Moncala will rise again. Somehow, someday. There is no Moncala. Moncala is gone. There is only the Empire. As Vader gets into his shuttle and flies off into the depths of space with the King held hostage, we can only wonder what the next issue will bring us as he puts him before the Emperor, which will surely be an issue to watch. As the story takes place on the Outer Rim sometime after the events of the last comic, Tarkin speaks to one of his 19 hunters who spotted movement. As Tarkin checks, he sees Vader standing on the high ground wearing the skin of a Valath which was the apex predator of the planet. Apparently very hard to kill, a monstrous creature that could camouflage into its surroundings, and he did it without a lightsaber. As Tarkin tells the story, he explains how he needed a plan. I have been privileged to watch Vader at his bloody work. On more than one occasion, blasters are almost useless. He can deflect the bolts, whether with his lightsaber or his command of the force. 
Therefore, I outfitted my team with flame weapons and slug throwers. Harkin literally sets Vader on fire here, which is Anakin's biggest fear, you know, Sam jokes aside. It even makes Tarkin, through Vader's body language, detect his fear, which is a first. Check out my latest video that I made talking more about this, and I go more in depth about it, so let's just move on. Tarkin's motive was to debilitate Vader's lightsaber from him, since he can't block fire with it, but for Vader, it didn't matter, did it? Since the fire may have been okay, but the flamethrowers were not. He learned that through Vader's heavy suit, he left footprints everywhere, not to mention his breathing could be heard from far away. He was learning his prey, and fast. Tarkin is an amazing hunter. He was narrowing down Vader's weaknesses, but in order to do so, he sent him expendables to kill, and in return, Tarkin continuously learned. He had a droid take Vader's lightsaber away, a mission that took four days and six men lost, but his team was finally successful. He believed it would be over, that an enemy became easier to kill the more enraged it had become. And from his observation, Vader treated his lightsaber with care and emotion. He even recalled seeing Vader touch it during meetings with Palpatine subconsciously. It was the only thing that Vader showed emotion and care for. Soon, Tarkin and his men found out that Vader didn't need his weapon. He enjoyed killing up close and personal, and the more angry and enraged he became, the more powerful he was. He can use the Force to crush his victims' windpipes, break their bones, pull their eyes from their heads. I sent more men to die, choking on their own blood so I could learn how close he needed to be to kill with the Force. Once I acquired his last piece of information, I believed the hunt would shortly draw to a close. I was mistaken. Now here's where Tarkin rounds up a couple of Chadra fan trackers to listen for Vader. However, they were led into a trap an echo-sensitive area with cliffs where the sound of his raspy breathing was heard from all around them. As he picked off the hunters one by one until Tarkin moved his men to safety, Vader is literally depicted like this vicious animal that takes them into the night. Now this is a theme that the directors from Rogue One were clearly trying to state. Vader was unleashed in the corridor against the rebels and here he is again in the comics, depicted as some sort of vicious animal, almost like a predator. No, literally like a predator. Tarkin, as he sets up camp, asks the last fan tracker, Sissian, if he hears him. Denying any trace of the dark demon, Vader, Tarkin turns to move, when Sissian begins to choke on air behind him. Up! He's here, you fools! I realize what he must have done. Vader deactivated his armor's breathing apparatus. I did not know he could. I have never heard him without it. I assumed he needed it to survive. And if that is so, if that is the strategy he adopted to get past Sissian's ears, then he is dying right now. Dying even as he kills us. Until he gets his lightsaber back, then only terror. The saber flies to his hand and only then does he begin to breathe. He returns to life. Now something really beautiful and poetic about this is that they basically make it seem like when Vader gets his lightsaber back, which is the only object that he shows emotion and care for, he actually begins to come to life. Then he starts to breathe, showing that without his lightsaber, without his ability or his weapon that kills, he is dead which is basically the whole premise of this issue right here. It's really deep and beautiful if you think about it. The last of my men are about to die, and so, again, it is time to run. Now here's a shot of Vader basically just taking limbs and heads and arms right off in his fiery blaze of his red lightsaber. As Vader kills off the last of Tarkin's men, he slowly walks to him, hunting him down to his death. When Tarkin realizes that there's no use in running, he's just going to tire and eventually Vader will catch up and kill him. So he stops at a very specific location, surrendered, and dropped to his knees. Vader savors my imminent murder. He can already feel it. He wants it. And so, he does not consider the land, the skies, this place to which I have led him, or this moment planned before this hunt began. For these are the Stormlands. This is Bard Ground. What?
And here, the taller you stand. Boom! Vader gets struck with massive lightning. His suit is extremely sensitive to it as designed by Emperor Palpatine himself. And Tarkin led him here for that exact reason. He had planned it all along. Finally, when Vader gets the high ground, he loses to the bad ground. That's so sad. I mean, the guy just can't win against any ground. There's probably a new meme being born right now as you watch this video. The bad ground. Oh boy. As Tarkin calls in for them to be picked up by a shuttle, we kind of start to learn what is happening in this issue because before this, it was actually kind of confusing as to what was going on. I mean, you knew Vader was being hunted, but when in time did this really take place? And now we kind of understand. As Tarkin tells him that he owed Vader a debt for a task that he undertook some time ago, and this is the one from the last issue. And when the request came, it was indeed nothing I could have imagined. He had somehow learned of my past, the savagery of my youth on Nyriadu and the skill it gave me at the hunt. He asked me to hunt him. Whatever you hope to learn or understand from this madness, Vader, I hope you did, and I hope it was worth the cost. I have my theories as to why he wanted this. Vader is Palpatine's hunter, but I've read reports from the Inquisitorius. Vader and his monsters have done their job well. Few Jedi remain, if any, which leaves him a killer with no one to kill, or more particularly, no one worth killing. As Tarkin begins to move to the ship, he talks to us about having reviewed all of Vader's tactics and powers, considered thousands of strategies to beat him. In the end, it was simple. Vader believes that he can never lose. I used that belief to show him he can. And then, his fingers twitched. And I realized that in Vader's mind, he has not lost. He grabs his throat as Vader uses the dark side of the force to constrict his windpipe, bringing him to his knees, gasping for air, nearing death, when Vader finally releases him, only to show Tarkin that he still has power to kill him. Even in this moment, he respects him and obviously doesn't want to kill the Emperor's best moth, but just lets him know that, hey, I'm not dead and you didn't win. Vader releases me and I consider the power, the will of this man. His strength is immense, incalculable, and every ounce of it, every drop is in service to the Empire and the grand ambitions of its ruler, his master and my own, Palpatine. I drag in a ragged breath, and all I can think is how lucky we are. Congratulations, it's a girl. Can I, can I hold her, Mira? Of course, darling, she's yours. Eve Koth. As Vader enters the labor room, the man freezes in terror, mumbling, No, not now. As his wife clearly has no clue who her husband really is, or rather who he was, Vader moves in to continue with Order 66. As the man tells him that he's not the same person anymore, he's changed, he's just a priest in the church and means no harm to anyone. I'm just a priest now, in the Church of the Ganthic Enlightenment. I bring people peace, officiate weddings and funerals, that's all. They kicked me off the council, you know. Listen, if you just go, leave us be, I can offer you something. I have codes, secret contact frequencies. Give me my baby. As Mira demands the droid for her baby, she overhears the continuing conversation. I can tell you how to find other survivors of the purge. Just let us live. Funerals. As Eithkoth sends a shockwave of force power towards Vader, he summons his hidden lightsaber from within the wall and ignites it. Now, keep in mind, this is a green one, so that means he was clearly powerful with the force. As he lunges at Lord Vader, the two ensue in a massive duel. Fear, anger, resentment, I sense them in you. You have let yourself feel, Eithkoth. It gives you power, more than the Jedi would ever have allowed you. Perhaps it's the Zabrak in me. 
As they keep fighting, Vader pushes him away and he tells the Inquisitors, Inquisitors, a woman and an infant escaped. Bring me the child. And the woman, Lord Vader? Now, here's a scene that's super cool and I want to talk a bit about. The Inquisitor reaches out with the Force, knowing the baby is Force-sensitive, sending ripples in the Force itself until the signal is found and reached back until they locate the woman and the baby. This is a pretty cool way of explaining how they find Force-sensitives near them. As the woman pleads to the Inquisitor, saying woman to woman, let me and my child go, the sister accepts her plea and lets her go free. However, once in the air, she reaches out with the Force and summons the baby from her mother's grasp. The ship takes off into the sky. Mira cries in her hands aboard the ship. She asks her father what they want her baby for, when we see the child delivered to Lord Vader, who has clearly beaten the former Jedi badly, distracting him with the sight of his captured child. Vader uses the moment and strikes his lightsaber through him, <gasps> killing him instantly. Taking the baby Zabrak, he uses the Force to shut it up and takes Quiet. it back to the Grand Inquisitor. Delivering the Force sensitive Zabrak child, Vader asks what the next target is, when he is led to the information room, showing a hologram of all names of surviving Jedi. Speaking of the vast quietness of the Jedi throughout the galaxy, wondering how none of these Jedi have even been found, despite their names being on the list of those undead, Vader leaves to meditate as they wait for the Jedi to make themselves aware to the Empire, one way or another. Now this page here is pretty cool as it shows Vader through his time in solitude. He looks out the window onto the city, contemplating different things, meditates, and if you notice, there aren't any more butterflies, if you've seen my previous video about it, tinkers with his switches on a suit, spars with a droid, and advances his skills in the Force. The last few pages of this issue cover the Inquisitors and company huddling around drinking dust juice. They speak of Vader and what he'll do when no Jedi are left to kill, once Order 66 is truly complete. As one says, a man like that will always find someone to kill. This one picks right up where we left off in the last issue. Vader goes to the room with the Inquisitors, mainly the woman who kidnapped the Jedi, Eeth Koth's child, walks right up to them and ignites his lightsaber and immediately strikes her as she is saved by her lover. Vader discards him as he throws him to the wall with the Force. As the Inquisitor asks Vader what she has done, where Vader says that he doesn't need to worry about it because he has now done it too. As the two escape, the Grand Inquisitor asks if he may be of service. Vader tells them there's no need and proceeds to leave the building riding on the back of a shuttle piloted by two clones. What are we looking for, Lord Vader? Two Jedi, male and female. They will attack us. It is only a matter of time. Be wary, they are cunning. Their direction of attack may be unorthodox. As their two lightsabers come whirring at Vader like cyclones of death, they slice everything in their path. Vader hops from speeder to speeder, crashing pods on people and senators down below. As they try to throw one at him, he merely pushes it back to them, no problem, jumping finally to them. But when he does, a massive statue lands on his body, throwing him to the balcony. I don't believe it. We actually beat him. Not yet. He's still alive. As Vader freezes their bodies in midair, they turn to one another to say their sweet goodbyes. As he swiftly turns their bodies into one another, piercing their lightsabers into each other, and thus dying, Vader reports to the Emperor. You claim these Inquisitors you killed were traitors. Fair enough. But tell me, Lord Vader, where is your evidence? 
fifth brother informed me that he observed the woman allowing Eve Koth's wife and daughter to escape. She only recaptured the child upon realizing she had been seen. I had my suspicions about her, my master. As the Emperor is very displeased that Vader made such a mess of his world, mainly killing a senator that he needed control of, remember this one, he told Vader it looks very bad on him if the world thinks that he can't control his men. As a result, he plans to move the Inquisitorius to another base on another world so that this will never happen again. Palpatine tells Vader to rise as he asks just how Eeth Koth tried to hide, where Vader tells him that he became a priest. Chuckling, Sidious says, he could have been anything, and he picked the closest thing to a Jedi he could find. <laughs> These fools can't help themselves. They deserve their extinction. Palpatine tells Vader that for his good work, he has a reward for him, taking him to the next room. For you, my apprentice, do you remember it? Vader stops dead in his tracks. Yes. The royal vessel of the lovely Padme Amidala. Such an elegant thing from an elegant world. Full restoration of the exterior should be complete in approximately two days, Emperor Palpatine. All interior systems are in working order and... Yes, perhaps it suits you better as it is. As Palpatine tells him that his work hunting the Jedi is done for the time being, he orders him to Alderaan to pay Senator Organa a visit and teach his world a lesson when Vader says no. Now, this is the first time since becoming Vader when he denies the Emperor officially like this in the comics. No? Palpatine responds. Vader asks for something. A world. As Sidious understands, he says, ah, of course, a world, a place to own your skills and unleash your rage when you want to, basically. This is where he starts throwing different worlds at him to choose from. How kind of him. Naboo, perhaps? I know you have connections to that planet. This is the esteem in which I hold you, my apprentice. I would give you my home world. Or your own Tatooine. You could burn its sand to glass. Repay your suffering there a thousand times over. No. Mustafa. Picking up from where we left off, Vader enters Padme's ship that Palpatine gave to him. He sees his younger self standing in the center, with his back to him. He looks just as he was when Qui-Gon took him from the sand planet of Tatooine and introduced him to Obi-Wan. However, when the boy turns, his face looks like Vader's mask. Now, upon first glimpse, you may think it's just his mask with skin. However, if you look at it metaphorically, the mask is formed by his bones, meaning his very bones are now the mask. This is extremely poetic. Vader knows that the boy who was once such a positive force in the galaxy, pun intended, and dreamed of becoming a Jedi and saving his mother, was now the very thing that he would only see in nightmares. The face had changed into this demonic and rather borderline disturbing image of himself without eyes. This symbolizes the loss of his soul or identity, as the eyes are the window to the soul, as they say. His skin has now formed around the new structure that has trapped him into the very monster that he has now become, as if his bones are made of the mask itself. However, 
Amongst the horror that has now replaced the young innocent face of child Anakin, we still see his hair. Why is this? This, I believe, could symbolize his purity, the golden hair of the Chosen One. As they near their destination, Vader is asked by the Colonel, why Mustafar? The scene cuts to Sidious and Vader as a flashback to their convo before departure to the Fire Planet. Sidious tells them that he will send an Imperial Architect with him to design his fortress as he sees fit. She was the one who fixed up his palace and got rid of anything remnant of the Jedi. The world where you were defeated, where you burned. I have my suspicions as to why you chose it, but I would have them confirmed. Why, Mustafar? Cutting to the ship again in present time, the architect and colonel discuss Vader's personality, trying to come up with just what he's going to want to design for his castle. Mentioning how this ship that belonged to the Queen of Naboo was so opposite of what they'd assume Vader would fly in. Observing the mask of Lord Momin, who we'll learn about later from Sidious himself, the architect is fascinated by it, wondering who would wear such a thing. What in blazes as they realize that they are descending into Mustafar's atmosphere without any shields up. Bren, the architect, screams at Vader to put the shields up or to turn back so that they can be fixed. If they don't, they'll all burn alive. Which, you know, for Vader, been there, done that. What? The shields are functional, Colonel Bren. I deactivated them. As she strongly urges Lord Vader to reconsider and reactivate them, he senses her hand on her blaster and summons it out of her grasp with the Force, telling her to sit in her seat and do what he tells her, just as the Emperor commanded her to do so. As they enter the planet, the ship completely lights on fire, screaming through the skies as the locals wonder what it is. Is it life fire or end fire? We shall see. Finally, landing on Molten Rock, Vader looks at Padme's ship. It's down to the skeleton now and really doesn't look anything like it did before. Better. As the colonels come out of the ship gasping for air, they make a joke about how she at least now knows what his aesthetic appeal is, judging by the ship. Now, I'm going to basically say that Vader wanted to destroy the look of Padme's ship to basically destroy anything that connects him to Anakin Skywalker. As she follows him into the same cave where he first made his lightsaber crystal bleed, which, by the way, was my favorite comic video to this day that I covered. It was full of emotion, so make sure to check that out after this one if you haven't. She asks him questions about the nature of this place, what it means to him, and if he'll be doing any entertaining. We again cut to the continuation of Sidious and Vader's conversation. My apprentice, but I require an answer. Why, Mustafar? You sent me to Mustafar to bleed my kyber crystal at the dark side locus present on the planet. When I touched that power, I saw deeper into the force than ever before. I believe things are possible at the locus that are impossible elsewhere. Ah, I understand. You are truly a perfect Sith, Lord Vader. You let nothing go. Perhaps your Padme does await you on Mustafar. Perhaps the dark side will bring her to you. Go. One way or another, you will learn a great deal. After all, your power is my power. I have given you a vessel and a world. Now, I think, one final gift. Come, my apprentice. Vader tells her that he's here to study, to uncover a great mystery. As he meditates in the cave, covered in ancient hieroglyphs, Colonel Bren finally brings him a concept design 
After hours of working on it, she tells him that she thinks he'll be pleasantly surprised, to which he simply says, You are wrong. Surprised and saddened by this, she heads back to Padme's ship where she's stopped in her tracks and screams. Walking to the ship, Vader finds her laying dead. As he sees the other colonel at the desk, he is wearing what looks like Moment's mask, as the eyes are lit up red and alive. The mask of Lord Moment, a powerful artifact of the dark side. Moment was uncommon among Sith. Many of us build our legacy through destruction. Moment preferred to create. He and I have that in common. The uses he found for the Force were truly unique, likely never again replicated. As you also seek unusual paths through the dark side, Lord Vader, I thought you might find Moment's example to be inspirational. Take the mask to Mustafar. Perhaps it will show you the way. As Vader tells Sidious that he has never seen the name of Momin in any Jedi holocron or Sith holocron, Sidious tells him that the story was suppressed and hidden when Vader asks, Then how do you know it, my master? The mask told me. Slicing the colonel down, he activates and illuminates the hologram behind him as Vader steps forth and observes a masterpiece. We start where we left off, with Vader hovering over the last commander that Momin killed. Perplexed, he assumes the mask has possessed those around it. Raising it with the Force, careful not to touch it, he looks at the image that Momin created, and immediately walks towards the Sith Cave, where we first saw him bleed his kyber crystal. What are you? I am Moomin, and everything I did was guided by one simple principle. Vader is immediately transfixed by the beam of red light cast by Lord Moomin, allowing him to see the memory Moomin commands. He tells Vader of something he came to understand at a very young age, as his mother walks into the room, asking him where the Rasta cat was, mentioning how terrible of an idea it was in the first place to get it. She pauses mid-sentence, as we get horrifying images of a sharp blade intestines, and what looks like blood and guts to be used on a canvas. If people feel nothing when encountering something you have created, then you have created nothing. Pain and fear are the purest of all emotions, because they are the first we feel at the moment of birth. As we see Momin walking the streets, every person on his planet in the crowd is horrified and struck with fear and pain the two emotions the artist wished to elicit from his audience. Locking him up for his psychotic display of his cat's insides, he tells Vader that the name Momin came to mean something to anyone who heard it. Claiming to be a sculptor of the mind, they locked him away for his work. But his name echoed through the galaxy, where a dark side user came to his rescue and freed him. Her name was Shah. She made him his apprentice and taught him everything she knew. Then, her apprentice killed her in her sleep- wait, uh, wrong story. He killed her in their sparring duel. I would never be so bold as to call myself a master, but an apprentice, I think not. Killing her right there, he went on to study the lore of the dark side in ways that we've never seen before, visiting its different sites and respecting it as the only true audience he had that would appreciate his vision. If he could build something worthy of the dark side's grandeur, then perhaps he might become worthy in and of himself. So he set out to build a weapon, 
telling Vader that anyone can make a powerful weapon, but to be worthy of the Force, he had to make something so much more. His device would burn and set aflame cities. However, just before they would reduce them to ash, he would pour the Force into the machine and slow time. Able to capture all their pain and fear on a scale the galaxy has never known. Frozen like insects in sap for anyone to see. Forever. An eternal shrine to the dark side. My masterpiece. Until he was ambushed and stopped by Jedi. And like that, in a flash, it was over. As he tells Vader no creation is perfect, but it also isn't a waste. That the dark side is sacred, but forever hungry. It burns like a flame. Inferno, it must be fed. Always it seeks fuel. If you do not feed it, then it will feed on you. Where the mask possesses Vader to the point where he actually slips the mask on, only to come to his senses to throw it to the wall. No. Walking outside, the natives of Mustafar see him and are thrown into the lava with a force chucked boulder by Vader, of course. Firing upon him, he defends himself and blocks all blaster fire with his lightsaber, only to reach out and choke his enemy and throw Moment's helmet onto one of the natives. As it feeds and possesses his mind and body, Vader walks back to the cave with Moment as he marvels in being back on Mustafar, now that he has a body, telling Vader it wasn't always like this. I do not care what it was, Moment. I am concerned with what it is. And that is... A door. As Moment tells Vader that it is locked, he tells him that he knows what he wants. He saw inside of him and his desires, telling him that if he wants something from him, all he needs to do is just ask. You created this design in your last body. Tell me what it is. The door to the dark side is locked. This is the key. Your beloved waits for you there, Vader. Beyond the door. My fortress will tune the energies of the Locus. It is your first step towards using the power of the dark side to pierce the veil of time between life and death. You will see her again. I have been lied to about the dark side's ability to prevent death before. Do not offer me things you cannot provide. I, I do not lie. I only want another chance to create. As Vader allows Moment to proceed, he threatens to make him suffer if he can't bring Padme back, where Momin tells him that he can't suffer any more than he already is, that Lord Vader has given him a wondrous opportunity. I will not throw that away. This will be my masterpiece. Okay, so let's get to today's issue. We start a bit after where the last one ended. Vader is on Mustafar and has now ordered many Imperials to come build his castle as he and Momin work on the perfect design that will house the immense power that it takes to open the portal between life, death, and time itself. With the hope being to bring Padme back. Open the door. Oh no, it's happening again. Lock down the site and get undercover. As Imperials scramble to safety with the massive storm about to approach, as Vader attempts to break open the portal once again, the natives of the planet look to the sky and horizon as lava begins to erupt ferociously and unsettled around them. As Momin marvels in his design finally being the right one, Vader breaks the doors open, the Force and robotic limbs working in unison. Seeing the other side of the portal before him, he notices something is wrong. Slamming shut, throwing him backwards, the natives rise in unison beyond the castle to devise a plan of action against the Dark Lord that is Vader 
and what he is doing to their home planet. Moment. Too many focusing spires. I think they split the castle's energy into mind splinters. Impossible to control. Well, it's a process I learned a great deal from the last five designs. I believe the sixth will... Oh. Hey, you feel cold at all? Cold? I wish. This is Mustafar. What? As Moment is killed and put onto another's body, he orders the stormtroopers to clean this mess up and get to work once again. And yes, now the Empire has slowly transitioned to stormtroopers, it seems. As the lava fleas, which are native beasts of the planet, show up to kill the Imperial intruders, Moment revels in the fact that even beasts try to stop his beautiful masterpiece, just like he was stopped in his old life as well. The very beasts themselves conspire to thwart my vision. Fascinating. Utterly fascinating. Here we are, Lord Vader. Sixth time's a charm. I have confidence that the seventh design will achieve everything you desire, Lord Vader. Now, see, guys, I personally love this part because it just shows a passage of time, but in a very comical way without trying to be funny. That, to me, is Star Wars. Vader's anger is only swelling and his impatience only growing at this point, and we, as the audience, all know it. If you take note, the body moment is possessing is different each time, which means that with each failure, Vader just kills the vessel one more time in some sort of way, and replacing the helmet of moment onto it. Finally, coming to the ninth and final design, Vader informs moment. There will be no tenth. This new design for the focusing chamber, it just feels right, doesn't it, Lord Vader? Yes, the power here. This was its destiny. This is what it was waiting for. As the Imperials worry about another disaster, they notice things feel much different this time indeed. That things look almost beautiful. And now, the door. Yes, it calls to me. Lord Vader, this is an auspicious moment, but you may not be prepared for what lies beyond that door. This test was designed only to determine that it could be opened. For your safety, your very sanity. I urge you to rest. Gather your immense powers and choose the moment it should be open. <gasps> the moment is now. Lord Vader, this is Captain Jonas, commander of the castle's garrison. I apologize for disturbing you, but we may need to evacuate. They're all around us. More fleas? Asks Vader, telling the captain that he's busy. As the captain informs Vader of this serious threat coming their way, Vader closes the portal and commands Momen not to do anything or move at all. Tear it down, every last brick. As the Mustafarians ride to battle with Vader and the Imperials, he is faced with a grand army of beasts and angry natives ready to die for their planet. Looking up to the top of his castle, Vader sees the portal being opened with the fire emitting beyond the two points. Momen, you deceit! Hello, me. Hello, me. I am my masterpiece. As the troops wish to retreat, Vader resurrects the courage by leading them to war. Vader slashes and slices through the lava fleets. As the Mustafarians command the blood of Mustafar, which is the lava, they promise that it will save them, but at the cost of washing the planet clean. Doing so, Vader is drowned in the lava river, which is really cool since we know he fears lava and fire. As he uses his powers to create a force shield to protect himself, his suit warns him of imminent danger and overheating. 
His shield can only last for so long. Using the force to pull what looks like an early designed AT-AT, or some sort of machine, he uses it to propel him out of the lava and onto the riverbank. This is where we get the beautiful imagery of him burning up his Anakin as he once did on the riverbank, clawing his way up the hill, only this time as Vader, standing and ready to destroy them all. See, Vader was powerful, but he was also very smart. Retreating to the castle, the Mustafarians attack it, saying now or never. This was Vader's plan. He lured them in and then activated the powers of the castle to incinerate everyone on the outside with lava and fire. It worked. They were dead. But Lord Momen steps in from the shadows, now in full power and reborn. As he tells Vader that he saved the castle, the Dark Lord reminds him of what he promised the answer would be to treachery. Momen knows Vader is battle damaged and can hardly do much, but he taunts him the most Vader has ever been taunted before, at least to our knowledge in the comics and movies. And there's one line that is a pretty bad stinger, so check it out. Believe it still, you think the dark side serves you, obeys your every childish wish. But if the greatest power in the galaxy is actually yours to control, why are you a stub of charred meat in a cape? Even more, if you had that power, wouldn't your wife be alive? At this point, Momin strikes Vader and hurts him. Already wounded and weak, Vader's movements at this point are limited beyond even his poor cybernetics that Sidious gave him. Now, something that is a bit reminiscent of Snoke's line here, which kind of makes me think, but I don't really know if I want to turn it into a theory or not, is what Momin says next. Empires have risen and fallen since my birth. Great ages of the galaxy have passed, but here I stand. But if we do not serve, if we fight the will of the dark side, try to control it, then well, just look at you. As Momin is about to give Vader the Dooku treatment and separate head from body, Vader stops him for one last question. I know you opened the door. Did you lie to me about what lies beyond? I did not. All things are possible through the Force. What you desire awaits you on the other side. But you will never pass through. The Dark Side would never allow it. You have been poorly taught about the Dark Side and why we must serve. Your master is either ignorant or hoarding knowledge. It saddens me to see the Sith become such Jedi-obsessed weaklings. It saddens me, and I know it disgusts the Dark Side. Your path- ah! You dare! You are not powerful enough to hold me, Vader. The Dark Side loves me. It wants me to live. If that is true, Momin, then you as Vader crushes the Lord of Dark Art, get it? Because he likes art from the dark side. Anyways, Momin is crushed under the sheer power of Vader's force as the Dark Lord activates the tower and opens the door to the bridge between worlds, walking in without hesitation to meet his dead wife once again. Vader enters the door to the next world, or what I like to call the World of Echoes. His soul is now as Anakin Skywalker, immediately sucked from his cybernetic body. I'm kind of assuming then that this place only allows the soul, or the force itself, of an individual. As he walks through, he hears echoes of the past, or rather, shards of the past through time itself. Until he comes across his pregnant mother, where Sidious appears behind her, manipulating her stomach as he says, unnatural. And someone, or perhaps him again, says, the chosen one. I'll upload a video after this going more into detail about this moment, but what I think is really happening here in essence is that Sidious actually created Anakin, and now it's kind of confirmed in canon. And this was something that was put into the original Revenge of the Sith script, however George cut it out in the final edit. 
As Anakin, which seems to be fused with the spirit of Vader, moves on, we see young little Annie having nightmares of Vader chasing him through shadows and walls. Now, by the way, can we all just appreciate for a moment how in this comic, part of his nightmare is actually sand hitting him? As he awakens in the middle of the night to be comforted back to sleep, where it almost seems like he used to visit this world as a child in his dreams, as if he were some astral projector or something. Anakin starts to go through his own growth and evolution in this strange world. And it's cool because we see his highlights, pod racing, C-3PO, Padme, meeting Palpatine, becoming a Padawan and learning from Master Yoda in lightsaber basics, then falling in love with Padme and their marriage. Being with Ahsoka back to back, fighting on the same team, which is really cool since it ties everything in together with the prequels and the Clone Wars nicely. Sadly, it's them fighting against one another as Vader and Apprentice. Then it gets to the juicy part, and this is one of my favorites of this whole issue. Anakin comes to the Jedi Temple, where it's in pristine condition, and around him we hear the echo of the truths that we cling to depend on your point of view, making the reader wonder if everything we just saw was reality or just his point of view of things. But if that were the case, then how would it explain little Annie's dream as a child and Palpatine manipulating his mother's womb to create life, all thus while echoing the Chosen One? My favorite part is right here. Anakin comes across all the Jedi Masters, except for one, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Anakin ignites two lightsabers, or what look like two lightsabers or swords in this weird world, which just looks like kind of two darksabers almost, made out of pure energy. As he leaps into the air and lands to fight them, he kills Saisy Tin first, then moves to slice off Mace's hand once again, this time finishing the job once and for all by beheading him. Eventually making his way through the Jedi like butter, saying the infamous line from episode 8, Let the past. As he comes to Yoda, Face your darkness, I will. He leaps into the air at Skywalker, or Vader, and gets a lightsaber through his chest. As Annie finishes the sentence, Die. Kill it. If you have to. Anakin, like a callous machine, marches up those stone steps like he did the night of the 66th Order. He finds Palpatine and Obi-Wan as he hears, I am your father. The only two people he could think of close enough to call a father. As Obi-Wan and Sidious battle lightning and lightsaber against each other, Sidious eventually destroys Kenobi, naturally, as he turns to Anakin when he is immediately fired upon by red lightning, pure with rage from Anakin and Vader. As he continues through, he finds a woman standing at the balcony's edge, his beloved Padme. He found her at last. Through all the corruption and blood spilt in his life, he moved through it all and beat it all to find himself whole as Anakin Skywalker once again. Beckoning for her to come with, she asks, are you an angel? Now here's where it gets actually really creepy, so you guys have been warned. Please, we have to go. Why? I don't know you. Anakin Skywalker is dead. No! Anakin shouts as Padme throws herself backwards off the balcony, turning into a demon of some sorts with yellow-black eyes. As she chokes herself to death, falling and falling below, making Vader relive what he did to her. As she opens her eyes, only to be incinerated into dust by the lightning bolt that strikes from the sky, turning to ash before Anakin's eyes. No! He shouts over and over again, destroying the ground that he stands on. Looking down the balcony, he sees a young blonde-haired boy holding a blue lightsaber. He had never seen him before, but when he tried to get the boy away, he was overpowered, being blasted back to his body outside of the portal. Summoning his severed arm and lightsaber back to himself, he ignites it and destroys the portal forever. Lord Vader, at last. As Palpatine tells him that he was becoming very impatient, and he was thinking of finding a new apprentice, Vader informs him that he's ready to return to Coruscant. Good. Tell 
me, Lord Vader, this truth you learned on Mustafar. Was it what you sought? Was it what you needed? Yes. And that is the final end of the New Vader comics from 2017. It's been an awesome trip and ride covering these with you guys and explaining them along the way. Check out my full playlist I've made for you. I put them all in chronological order for your convenience if you guys wanted to watch them again. Let me know what you guys thought. So now I think Vader sees that there's no bringing Padme back. All he finds is more pain and suffering, cementing his path to becoming the true Dark Lord of the Sith and destroying Anakin Skywalker for good. Or, you know, for as long until Luke shows up and turns him back to the light. Thanks for watching, everyone. Hit like if you enjoyed it, and I will see you all in the next episode of Star Wars Theory, my fellow Jedi and Sith friends. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always. Now, fulfill your destiny.